there was a great tzaddik. His name was Rabbi Chia. He learned a lot of Torah and taught a lot of Torah to people. He was in the time, it was thousands of years ago. And he did something so great, even more than all his great learning Torah and teaching to everyone, well, kind of teaching Torah also, that Rabbi, Rabbi Huda Nasi, said about him, How great are the actions of what Chia did? So we're going to hear something special he did. And you know, you can think what is the you could realize what is the greatest thing. And I'm we're talking with his this is Kinderlach, this is children here. How the, we explain how the children are the most important of everyone. It goes like this. They all everyone knew that he is a great tzaddik, and he studies Torah, and he davens Hashem, he, he prays, and they were very shocked when they saw this great rabbi Chia going outside and planting the ground. They're wondering. Why is he planting the ground? That seems like a very simple job for a simple person to do. Why is he doing it? And they saw he was planting flax, seeds of flax. Now, our clothes nowadays are made out of different materials. A lot of them are made out of cotton, something that grows from the ground. Some are made out of wool that goes, grows on the outside of the body of a certain different animals. And Flax is a, something that grows from the ground. You could plant it. You could also make threads and different things out of it. But th- this is the, seems like a job for a simple person. What is he doing it? He was such a great tzaddik, everyone knew, that when he would daven, when he would pray to Hashem, Hashem would right away answer him. Like when he would say, Hashem, umashivaruach, makes the wind blow. It would right away get windy. Geshem would right away come rain. Hashem would listen to everything he says. So wondering... Why is he busy doing these simple things? They couldn't understand. The only thing they could think of, they're thinking maybe, is there were many tzaddikim who they did not want to get money by a miracle. Even though if they dive in Hashem, please send me money, I'm sure they could get it, just fall out of Shemaim, out of heaven. And they did not want people to give them money because they taught taita. They wanted that the taita I learn and teach people is only for Hashem, special mitzvah. I'll get money through a simple job, they would spend maybe an hour or two or a few hours a day doing a simple job to make some money, just enough to pay for their families, whatever they needed. And they could learn Taita just for Hashem. Now, nowadays, you have a lot of people who teach Taita, and they actually do get paid for it. Yeah, you have rabbis, you have teachers, you have people who come to, to teach in school, and they do get paid because if they wouldn't get paid, they wouldn't be able to teach. But someone who could, the tzaddik, said, no, I don't want to take money from other people. So think maybe he's doing that, trying to do some kind of business. Maybe. They're waiting, and they see that this flax was growing. And they thought he'll take it and sell it probably, right? Instead, he takes all this flax that grew, and he starts making it into strings. Now, I don't know how to do it. I never did it before. But people who know how to do it, they know. And he, he knew what to do. He took it, cut it down, and made a whole big thing a string out of it. So they're wondering, why is Rebchia making string? I mean, he's not someone who's bored, wants to do arts and crafts, wants to just have fun. He's very busy. And he's spending his time to plant and then to make strings. Okay. After he makes a big, long, long string and rolls up a whole ball of string out of it, he takes this long string and he starts kneading it, or knitting it, and making it into a shape of a big net. 
You might have seen a net, um, maybe by a basketball hoop, sometimes underneath the circle there's sometimes like a net hanging, like that shape, or sometimes fences, they look like a shape of like going back and forth, kind of like a net. They're nets made out of string, and he made a big net, and then he made something to trap animals. He made a huge net as a trap, he brought it out into the woods and set it up different places so an animal could get, could, could, they could catch an animal there. Again, I don't know how to do it, and I, I never really saw one happening, but I've seen animals, and people eat meat. They catch the animal. So he set it up in the woods, these, uh, these, these nets, and after a little while, a deer ran into one of them, and it caught a deer. Now, to make it kosher, you can't shoot an animal. It has to be slaughtered, shechted properly, the way the Torah says, and it can't, doesn't make any pain to it. An expert has to do it, and they have to make sure it's kosher. So in order to make an animal kosher, you can't shoot it, and then, or a bow and arrow, or a gun, anything, and get it. He, he caught it. So then he took this deer, and either he shechted himself, or he got an expert, and they made sure the knife was perfectly smooth, they shechted it, then they have to check the inside of the animal to make sure there's no sicknesses. That makes it not kosher. And then they have to take out the blood. So they're wondering, wow, he used, he planted to get the string to make a net to catch an animal. Maybe he's hungry. He didn't have meat. He's, but he would work so hard to get some meat. Why didn't he just buy it in the store? They still couldn't figure it out. So he, he, take, he opened it up. He took out all the meat. He made it kosher. And then he brought all the meat of the deer to the house of a poor woman who's called a widow, an almana, someone who her husband passed away. Well, this woman, being that unfortunately her husband passed away, so the husband used to work and make money and bring everything they need for the house, but now he wasn't alive anymore, and she was pretty poor, and her and her children, they didn't even have too much food in the house. So he brought this whole big thing of meat, and he gave it to her, and this woman and her children were also happy now. Wow, now we're going to have meat. They didn't have meat in a long time. And they were so excited, and Mechia quickly gave them a blessing. He gave them a bracha, said you should have a lot of nachas, you know, have good things in your house and for your children. And before she could start praising him and thanking him so much, she was already walking away. Okay. So now they figured, okay, so he did this to do a mitzvah to help a poor people. Okay, makes sense, kind of. So I don't know why he had to work so hard. But he didn't give away the whole deer to this family. He gave the meat. But there are other parts that we don't eat. For sure, blood we can't eat. It's not kosher. And there are certain parts of every animal that are also not kosher we can't eat. There are the bones. People don't eat bones. There is also the skin. The skin of the deer he left by himself in his house. And in order to make certain halika things, holy things, like a safer toida, to make a mezuzah, to make a tefillin, they have to be written on the skin of a kosher animal only. They're not written on paper. <coughs> if a mezuzah is written on paper, it's not kosher. It's not a real mezuzah. But he had, he left the skins of the animal by himself. So he took the skin of the deer, and then he put it inside a bucket of water. So it's sitting in water. And he had it s- sitting in the water for a while until the skin got very, very soft. 
and then he scraped off all the hair, anything on top of it, and he cut the skin into a shape, kind of like a square. So, kind of like a paper he could write on. Now, then, first of all, when they wanted to write, I, I wasn't around a thousand years ago, but, you know, machines that make paper so easily is a new thing. Paper is made out of trees, and nowadays they take and put it in a big machine, and it makes it very quick, and you can have paper whenever you want to write. Just buy it. It doesn't cost so much. But then it wasn't so easy. And also, for Havika things, say for Tayyidam, you write on it in the skin of an animal. He got these skins to write on it. And then he started to write. By the way, he didn't just take one deer. He had his nets there in the woods, and he also caught more deers and more deers, and every deer he would catch, he would make it slaughtered properly, gave the meat to poor people, and they would keep the skins, and made a lot, a lot, a lot of skins, until he had a lot, a lot ready. And then they started to write. So people were looking and watching the tzaddik, what he's doing, and they figured, aha, now we think we figured it out. You know, the tzaddik, he's a very great genius in Torah, and he teaches so much. So probably, he wants to write down the deepest ideas and secrets and things he has in tight and write it down or keep it. But, they were taking a peek maybe through his window, they're watching, and they saw, what was he writing? Spending so much effort to write something, he was writing, He was writing Chumash, Chumash Bereshis, and he kept on writing, the whole Chumash Bereshis. Like, wow, okay, why is he writing Chumash Bereshis? You know, again, those days they didn't have machines to print Svarim. Nowadays they could print very fast and you could buy Chumashim, all the good Svarim in the store. Then they didn't have it yet people had to write with their hands. But usually they would get a regular person, someone who just knows how to write, and he could write and he'll get paid for it. He, Rebchia, was a big tzaddik and he was so busy. Why does he have to write it? Why couldn't he get someone else to write out a Chumash? And he's writing the whole Chumash Bereshis, then he writes out the whole Chumash Shmais, every word, and Vayikram, and Midbar, and Dvarim. And then, what does he do after that? He does it again. Another Chumash. And, and again, he's writing a bunch of Chumashim. And no one could figure out, why does he need so many Chumashim? He already has a Chumash probably in his house. Why does he need to write so many? And then, after he wrote out a whole bunch of Chumashim, his bookshelf is full of these Chumashim, and they look different than nowadays. They didn't look like our Svarim. Thin made out of paper and made with machines. They were rolled up. Then he starts writing Mishnayis. Starts writing the whole Seder Zroim, whole bunch of halachas passed down from Yehuda Nasi. Like that from, you know, the Torah split into Torah Shpech There's the part that Hashem told Moshe to write down word for word. And then there's what Hashem told Moshe. Hashem spoke to Moshe and told him. And the Jewish people were learning for many, many hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years until until Behuda Nasi had it written down into Mishnayis. And after the Mishnayis, is Gemara, different things, but he was writing down Mishnayis. And again, why is he writing Mishnayis? He's writing and writing and writing. Until, after a long time, his bookshelf was full, full of Svarim that he wrote. He packed up some big bags and he started traveling. He carried with him these Svarim and he started to travel. Where is he going? He's traveling, he's going, he's going for a little while until he reached a town 
were there were Jewish families that lived there, mommy, tati, and children. And the tatis were busy working, and the children were playing around, having fun. The only thing they didn't have in this town was there was no Jewish schools. There was no Rebbe. There's no one to teach Torah to the children. The children didn't learn Chumash, didn't learn Mishnayis. They didn't learn Aleph Beis. They didn't learn how to daven. They didn't learn anything. They would just play around, run around the whole day. So this time they came into town, and the children saw someone coming, and his face was shining, like a very great holy person, like a tzaddik. And they all saw him, wow, you know, welcome, Shalom Aleichem. And in that town, there was a shul, there was a synagogue, which they used on Shabbos. And he gathered all the children, and he made a school. And he split them up into two classes. The older boys on one side, and the younger boys on the other side. So now, to these boys, to the younger boys, he gave them each one of the five chumashim. Let's say to Shmuel over here, he gave him chumash breishis. This is for you. To Peretz, yeah, let's say, he gave him a shmais. This is for you. To Zev, he gave him a vayikra. To Nachum, he gave up a midbar. And to Zalman, he gave him a dvarim. So then, he sat by Shmuel, and all the boys are listening and watching, and he starts learning with Shmuel Bereshis. Shmuel never learned before, because there was no Rebbe in that town, no teachers. And he starts teaching him, Bereshis, in Anfang, in the beginning, Vara Lekim, and Gotap and Shafim. He teaches him the whole Bereshis. And then the Oretz HaYisra told him, teaching him the whole Pesukim, everything. And it takes a while, take hours and days and weeks. And everyone's listening, but he's teaching Shmuel. Shmuel, this is your safe I'm teaching you. Teaching you Breshis. Until Shmuel, being that he's learning so much with his Rebbe, the Tzaddik, he really, really got it well. He became an expert in Breshis. Then he went over to Peretz and started learning with him Shmuel. And everyone's listening, but he's learning with this, this one, this one, this one boy. And the next, and the next, so each boy became an expert in one of the Chumashim. Then to the older boys, he gave them each one big thing of Mishnayis, the six boys. And he started learning with one boy, Zeroim, until he became an expert. And everyone's listening, but this boy, being that Rebbe's learning right with him, he, somehow he got it better. And the next boy, Moed, the Nashim, the Zikim, Kachim, and Tares. And then when he finished, there's five boys now experts in, in the whole Chumash. And six boys are experts in the whole Mishnayis. They said, okay, it's time for me to go. And by now, these boys, they don't want the tzaddik to leave. And they said, Rebbe, they said, please don't leave us. You lit up our eyes to learn Torah. Before, we didn't know anything. We were like in the dark. Now you lit up our eyes. We want to learn more Torah. So Rebbe told them, listen, I gave each one of you one sefer, one book. Each one of you now are going to become the teacher to teach everyone else. Let's say, you know Bereshi's expert, you're going to teach everyone Bereshi's until you're all going to become experts in Bereshi's. You know Shmai's expert, you're going to teach everyone Shmai's and so to all the Sfarim until all of you are going to know everything and then I'll come back to visit you and I'll test you. So I said, but Rebbe, but why can't you stay with us? Please, we'd love to have you here. Please stay with us here. And he said, I need to go because my dear children, there are other towns and there are other places that also they don't have Jewish schools. 
they don't teach, they don't learn, any, they didn't learn anything. They learn Taira. The parents are busy all day with the farms, with the making, making the wheat grow and taking care of the chickens and the cows, and they don't learn anything. I need to go to more children and teach them also Taira. The most important thing in the world is that the Jewish children should learn Hashem's holy Taira, and that's why the whole world exists only in that merit of the children learning Taira. So I'm going to go on to another town, and I'll come back to you later. Now, the boys said, Rebbe, you lit us up, gave us light before we were in the dark. So I'm trying to figure out, what does it mean they were in the dark? The sun was shining. Can anybody figure mm-hmm. out, what does it mean they were saying, we were, now you lit us up? Yeah? Um, okay. Um, yeah, you're very good. The title is called Light. I'll give you an example. Let's say, if I'm walking in this room, and I turn off the lights, close the window shades, and somehow it became totally, totally dark. You couldn't see a single thing. Maybe in your house in the middle of the night, you could see it totally dark sometimes. And let's say I came and I wanted to go get a cup over there. Yeah? Again, now there's still a little light in the room, even though I just turned off the light switch. But if it was totally dark, would I know how to go get that cup? No. No. I'll be walking and bump into this desk. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, maybe go this way. Um, walk a little more. I might bump into this desk. Ouch, ouch. Okay, maybe go this way. Bump into this desk. Maybe feel around, touch and touch. Oh, is this the cup? Is that? I might finally reach it. But it would take me a while, and I might get lost in the way. But if it's light in the room, I'll turn back on lights now, then I could see it right away. I know how to get a cup, and I know where to get water. It won't take me an hour to go around in circles. So that's like the Taira gives light and teaches us exactly what we're supposed to do and how a Jew and really the whole world, everyone is supposed to live their lives and do the right thing to make Hashem happy, make us happy, make everyone happy, and to have the best life. Was when we follow what Hashem wants, and that's written in the Torah. If someone, Chas Shalom doesn't know what the Torah says and doesn't know how to behave, there are people who get very lost and they don't know what they're doing in their life. Why are they alive? What are they doing? And they could do all sorts of all sort of funny things because they're lost. They don't know what to do. But the Torah teaches us, gives us light, and gives us happiness, and teaches us the right way to act. So they were so thankful, and they're saying, Rabbi, thank you so much, Rukhia, but please stay with us. But he said, I have to go because there's more children who didn't learn Torah yet. So this way, the great big genius, the big Tzadik himself, Rukhia, who knew so much Torah, was teaching so many great geniuses, and so many so much, he went around and he worked so hard. He did everything himself to teach the little children Chumash and Mishnayis. They went from another town, another town, and the Rehuda Nasi said about him, "How great are the actions of Chia that he made the Torah should not be forgotten, Chas because the children are the future of the whole Jewish people." Now you might think you're young. Well, guess what? Every little child gets bigger and bigger. It's like if you ever ate an apple. Any here, any here ever had an apple? Yeah? Okay, have you raised it in your hands? Okay, okay. So inside of the apple, you might see sometimes a little seed. So the seed, you might think sometimes, maybe is annoying. You don't eat it. Just spit it out. Oh, it's in the way. But really, that tiny little seed, if you plant it in the ground, and it has water and sunlight, all the good things it needs, it can grow to become a huge, big tree that gives off a lot, a lot of good fruits. So too, 
a child, you might think, okay, I'm just small right now. Mm, I'm not, there's other bigger people and so many big people in the world. Well, what does it make such a big difference what I do? But really, if you take one Yiddish child and you have him with, in the right place, in a healthy place for him, by learning Torah and serving Hashem the right way, each child will grow and grow to be big and strong and have a lot, a lot of mitzvahs and learn a lot of Torah and the whole Jewish people are going to have nachas from each and every one of you.